Hello and welcome to the Heredity Podcast. I'm your host, James Bergen. Today is the second of our new style podcasts, and in this episode, we're exploring a hybrid approach to solving that most complex of puzzles, the genome. The chinois genome, if you want to get into specifics. The alpine chinois is a goat antelope, native to many mountainous regions of Europe and actually some areas of Asia around the Black Sea. Like many of its closely related species, the chinois has long been the focus of research into the genetic basis of an incredibly diverse set of cell surface proteins, called the Major Histocompatibility Complex, or MHC. This set of proteins play an essential role in the acquired immune system of vertebrates. So, the MHC is obviously incredibly important in keeping an animal healthy. However, its variability means that MHC diversity has been incredibly hard to study from a molecular point of view. But things may be changing, all thanks to new sequencing technologies. As outlined in the recent heredity paper, a new hybrid approach for MHC genotyping, high-throughput NGS and long-read MINAIN nanopore sequencing with application to the non-model vertebrate alpine chinois. Now this title contains many words that will get molecular biologists excited. And while it is mainly focused on exploring new genotyping and genome assembly methodologies, it is also a conservation paper. So exploring it in full seemed like it required a double interview. And luckily, the authors agreed. I'm Silvia, I work at the University of Ferrara, where I'm a research scientist. So I'm Rodrigo, I work at the University of Georgia in the United States. I guess the first thing to talk about really is this paper is all about the MHC. So why is it an interesting thing to study? Why is this gene complex something that you're putting lots of effort into? So MHC is very interesting from several points of view because it's a set of cell surface proteins. They are expressed by different types of cells called antigen-presenting cells. And they are particularly important because these cells interact with pathogens and then they trigger a whole cascade of immunitary response. So they're very important in uh, pathogen defense. So that's why many scientists study this kind of loci. But they are also involved in uh, sex recognition of different mating types and things like that. So there is a lot of uh, interest in studying the variation of these loci, especially because in the case of vertebrates, they are the most variable part of the genome. And so they are important also to study the evolution of the species. So, like you said there, it's an incredibly variable gene family, uh, but you're focusing very heavily on this one particular group called uh, DRB, and in one particular non-model species, this alpine goat. So why were you focusing in on this particular gene family and this particular non-model species? It's a part of a long-term project on the alpine chinois that has been part of the research in uh, Giorgio Bertorelli group here at the University of Ferrara. And there are several papers already published on the species, in particular on the habitat fragmentation and also on the MHC variation in several alpine chamois populations. Already in those studies, they were typing the DRB gene because it's the most variable among all the MHC molecules. So if we are looking for variation, if we are aiming to type the most variable locus, this is the one. And we are concentrating on a specific population that lives in the Dolomiti Bellunesi National Park, which is a wonderful place in the northeast of Italy. But there, the population is threatened by an epidemic of sarcoptic mange. And so most of these uh, individuals are dying because of this parasite. And uh, it would be very important to find specific alleles or a combination of alleles associated with the resistance to the parasite. And in this way, we could kind of plan some sort of future management for the population. 
You mentioned they're trying to find specific variants that might help um, in this conservation. But in this project, it's quite interesting because you've used several different kinds of sequencing methods. I wonder if you could maybe explain a little bit about what these different sequencing methods are and what it is you're hoping that they'd be able to tell you that, say, a traditional Sanger sequencing-based approach just wouldn't allow you to. So today we have several types of sequencing available. Uh, We have Sanger sequencing, we have the NGS, and the most known is the Illumina sequencing that produce short reads. And we now have like a third generation sequencing that are producing like bigger sequences. That is the PacBio and the Nanopore technologies. So the main problem that we have when we use Illumina reads, short reads, it's like to think about a puzzle and you have really short pieces. It's really easy to put them back together when you have some kind of detail that it's like a house or a a window like in the puzzle. But when you go like to regions, they are like too repetitive. It's hard to put back together. And the idea of having long reads in this case is that imagine that you have a guide that gives you the structure of the whole thing. And then it's much easier just to put everything back in the right place. So it's actually here to help to improve the structure of an assembly. The idea like to put both together is that when you have just these third generation sequencing, like such as PacBio and Nanopore, is that the quality of the base call is not as good as the base call that you have in a Illumina sequencing, that it's great. So both can give you the structure information of what you're trying to assembly and also give you like the idea of what is actually right in your assembly. Okay, so I guess one way to think about it is that the Minion is giving you these long reads that give you a really good big picture, but the details are a bit fuzzy, whereas the short reads are giving you lots of variation, lots of detail, but you need that bigger picture to put it in context. Exactly. You were using this to try and better characterize MHC variation in the species. What were you finding with this sort of multi-platform approach? Was it working well? Uh, yeah, it is working very well. And I was very excited to have the possibility to use, especially the mean ion, actually, when we started the project. Until a few years ago, would you think that the genome could be sequenced by a, a small USB device? We really wanted to, to try the performance of this tool. And they were great, actually. We were struggling a lot to try to assemble these uh, Illumina reads because before having the whole picture together, we started having the reads of the amplicons, the short reads. And then we decided to be guided by the long reads produced by this uh, small device. So, yes, in the end, I think it worked very well, especially in our case, because we don't have to forget that we are facing a complicated locus in a non-model species, which is the worst you can work with. And without a proper reference, right? So the biggest problem is that we didn't have like anything to guide us before. So usually when we have some kind of reference to actually have an idea of how it looks like, it's much easier. But in our case, it wasn't available at the time. So to make a new reference was really the best thing that could happen using all these technologies that we were uh, using. This is quite an interesting paper because it is essentially developing this new method for looking at MHC variation. So I wonder what you're thinking the sort of key take home of your study is and where you're seeing this work going. The key message is 
MHC is tricky, it's complicated, especially in non-model species, but uh, with new technologies and relatively small amount of time and typing effort, you can try to type almost the whole locus. So to my point of view, this is good for non-model vertebrates and especially for conservation genetics projects where people are usually not having big budgets, but they have good questions. So since in our lab we have several other conservation genetics projects, we were thinking that a similar approach could be used also in other species where the system may be more complicated. For example, now we are studying a species that has a very small effective population size. This is one of the big questions. What happens to MHC when there is genetic drift, when the population size is more and since MHC is also considered like a marker of the situation of the species. So the more variation you have at the MHC, the better is probably the species. So yeah, I mean, you mentioned they're trying to apply these methods to look at MHC variation in other species. And I guess the way that you kind of describe this is it's looking at genetic variation in a non-model organism with very few genomic resources, which to be honest, kind of sums up the vast majority of life. So thinking about your work more broadly, how do you think this study might be applied to not just MHC variation in other organisms, but looking at genetic variation in general in non-model organisms? So what is happening right now is that people are having access to information that was missing in current references. So imagine that you have a genome that was a reference for like 20 years in a field. Tons of papers were using this reference genome as the best one, and it was actually the best one at the time. But now that we are actually getting access to these new regions, we are seeing differences in the genome that we are not expecting before. So I think that these new technologies and these new ways to make the assembly will improve not just new things for non-model organisms, but it will also help us to figure out new things in current organisms that have already a reference available. Perfect. So, so the kind of methods you've been using here are going to help us build new puzzles for non-model organisms and fix the puzzles that we have for our model organisms. Exactly. That was Silvia Fuseli and Rodrigo Baptista, two researchers on the recently published article A New Hybrid Approach for MHC Genotyping, High Throughput NGS and Long Read Minai Nanopore Sequencing with Application to the Non-Model Vertebrate Alpine Chinois. My thanks to both of them, but especially to Silvia, who took on the task of identifying a time across three time zones that worked for all of us. No simple task. And, to be honest, our chat actually lasted over half an hour, as they really do have some very interesting methods going on in this paper. Obviously, we can't feature all of the details here, so if you're working in the realm of genetics, and like me, get excited by new toys like the Minine, I really recommend that you go and give the full article a read. That's all for today's episode. Remember, Heredity is the official journal of the Genetic Society, and part of the Springer Nature Publishing Group. If you want to find out more about the journal and how you can get your research published in it, and, you know, maybe get a cheeky wee interview request from yours truly, head over to www.nature.com forward slash hdy. To keep up to date with the podcast and find out about breaking heredity news, you can follow us on Twitter, at Heredity Journal. You can also follow the Genetic Society on Twitter, at GenSocUK, and find it on Facebook. I'm James Bergen. Tune in next time.